You're listening to Mostly Technical, which is brought to you by Lair Jobs, the official Laravel job board, and screencasting.com, where you can learn how to create high-quality screencasts faster than ever. Now, Ian and Aaron. All right. Welcome back, everyone. We are here with, a, a, I guess it's an emergency episode. Emergency pod. <laughs> emergency pod. pod. I've always wanted to be on one of these. Here you are. Yeah, usually, usually they're for... Uh, I think they're usually for like political happenings, but this is, you know, this is the biggest thing that's happened in our world in a long time. So Making yeah. news. Making news <laughs> on Twitter. So we're here with Sam Sulikoff, um, you know, buddy of mine for a while now. Uh, and so we figured since we've, we're partially a React show at this point, since we seem to talk about React every week, <laughs> and Sam's a React uh, guru. And he became the main character on Twitter this week. That we the most memed man on the internet this week. This is the man that put a SQL injection attack inside of a button, and he is here to tell us why it's a great idea. Apparently, Uh, this is this was my favorite. This was my favorite week on the internet because, like, you and I have been internet friends for a while. You and Ian are like in person friends, but I'm like, I know that guy. That guy in every single meme, I'm like, yeah, it's actually pretty funny. So emergency pod to get you here to to talk about it. But we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. Nice. Yeah, I was saying that, too. I was open. I was still at the conference in San Francisco. And every time I open up Twitter, it was just like my fate. I was like, I know that guy. I was like, all right, <laughs> I'm getting tired of this. <laughs> no, yeah. it, was, it was actually a blast. It was a lot of fun. And um, yeah, we'll we'll definitely talk all about it. So. So maybe you could lay the groundwork a little bit, because I mean, so just baseline what you do and your connection to React and then where you were, you know, when this happened. At first, I didn't realize it was like real time. And I was like, oh, like he's at a conference doing this. And then like it's all blown up and everything. So give us your quick little background, because some of our audience definitely isn't in the React world and might not know you. And then we can dive into I'm sure they've seen your face at this point, but they, (laughs) they might not know who you are and what you do. So. Definitely. And uh, we want to cross post this to our podcast, too. So just to kind of lay the groundwork, because I think the conversation will be good for both, you know, folks who are back end Laravel developers and then folks who follow us who identify more as front end developers. Um, I think there's like a lot of good stuff that we can talk about. So, you know, I started programming about 10 years ago. I actually learned MVC through Symfony. So Perl was my first mm-hmm. language, but PHP Ooh. was my first like web framework um, yep. experience. And um Basically kind of fell in love with front end early on just from some work projects that were um, pretty like dynamic, I guess, like heavy, rich clients. There was like a survey that I built at this financial software company, and it was using D3 to do data visualization. And I was using Backbone at the time and Backbone didn't have like a router. So I wanted to be able to send the survey around to everyone in the company have them like click on clients or quarters and have the data visualization like charts update and then push, you know, searches and filters to the URL so they could share some sub part of the survey. And so um, that's kind of when I fell in love with JavaScript and realized that's like the part of web development that I love the most. And, um, you know, the data viz stuff was fun. I think you have a, a accounting background, Aaron. I was studying like finance and economics. And so um, when I first started learning programming, that was like really fun for me to be able to do some of that stuff in the browser and then make it do exactly what I want with SVG and interactions and all that good stuff. Um, so I started doing Backbone and Laravel 
as the back end or not Laravel, PHP Symphony at the time. I kind of wish I would have found Laravel back then. My history could have been very different. I don't even know it existed, but yeah, this was yeah. like in 20, this would have been in like 2012, 2013. Um, yeah, it was, I guess it was, Laravel was maybe just out. Yeah. So Laravel's 10 ish. Yeah, but Symphony was pretty hip back then, right? My brother used it. That's why I learned it. So, right. <laughs> um, it was cool. It was cool enough. Yeah. It was, yeah. yeah. It's no Laravel, but it was cool enough. Exactly. Um, so, anyways, I started doing more and more on the front end and then kind of found Ember. And Ember was like kind of the logical conclusion of like where my interests were pointing me towards because it had a built in router. It had, you know, it basically fully embraced like the SPA model where, Mm. Your first, the first thing you want to do is start making rich client side stuff. And again, because of the kinds of things I was building, I was like, this is the most important part of this app. And so this is what I want a tool that's kind of good for, I guess, or like built for it's built to build interactive UIs on the web. And basically, most of my jobs, before I started working for myself were like internal back office apps, or, you know, and then eventually I worked at TED with Ryan and we were building tools to help the team run the conference. And there was all sorts of stuff like that where, you know, we used Ember there as well. And I remember us adding an Ember front end to like a Rails back end. And um, the only thing that we did was basically put the Ember app instead of the view, the templates from Rails, the ERB templates. And it was this long list of attendees that was like a master detail UI. And at the conference, uh, this woman we worked with was like trying to find people and she would be able to use it on an iPad, click somebody and then see the detail. And then she realized like the side scrolling, the, the navigation list of all the people didn't reset because, you know, Ember was doing just partial re-rendering of the detail view, but the, the, uh, the list of attendees and the parents stayed the same. So it preserved like the scroll mm -hmm. position. And that like blew her mind. That was like the most useful thing to her in that moment. Uh, at the conference. And so this is always kind of like um, the things that really got me going, working. And, th and that's why I kind of went down the, the rich JavaScript path or whatever. Um, and so Ember was kind of how I cut my teeth on like UI development and learning how to do state in the browser and all the things that go along with that. And um, eventually started using React, you know, and uh, that's kind of where I am today. So, yeah. Um, so, and you do uh, like build UI, which is a course. Um, I guess what well, I guess it's like a video screencasting site. It? Yeah, it's like a screencasting screen site. site. We, yeah. make, we make courses. You, you just launched something. We just right? launched a remix course. Yep. Yeah, that's what I thought. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll need to talk about that too because I've been I just found out that your podcast exists, so I've been binging the back. I've been binging back episodes, and so oh, I feel wow. like I have caught up on the past oh, nice. four or five months, awesome. a week or two. Awesome. Yeah, it's been fun. So I guess for your audience, too, maybe we'll just quick intro ourselves. Yes, uh, absolutely. Is on the same page, but um, yeah, I'm Ian Landsman, and I've been selling a help desk product for 20 years, all PHP, um, you know, it's Laravel. Uh, Taylor of Laravel worked here for a while. Um, I run the Laravel job board. Yeah, you knew Taylor like when he started there, about right? Yeah, just a little bit after. Yeah, he worked. With Ian Speak is the Godfather. Years. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's how my I think of him in the community. <laughs> the Godfather. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of uh, um in the Laravel circles is my main thing. Do not like JavaScript. Do not like the front end JavaScript. Like mm -hmm. to avoid it as much as possible. Although uh, I do also understand the benefits of it and like 
to have things work magically. I just don't like to necessarily be in there. Yeah. Uh, I like to drop a component in and have it work magically. I don't necessarily mm. want to write the component. Mm -hmm. so, Hate the um, JavaScript, love the component. There you go. Hey, that. That's yeah. music to my ears, man. I'm, we're on the same page. That's kind of how I yep. feel. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. Hi, I'm Aaron. This is my voice. Um, I always feel like when you're when you got three people on a podcast and they all kind of sound the same, you never know who's who. So, I'm I'm Aaron. Uh, I'm a developer educator at a database company called Planet Scale. Um, so I make a lot of uh, YouTube videos uh, these days. Uh, so we got a lot of video stuff we could talk about too. Absolutely. But mm. Yeah, Laravel developer. Um, also primarily back end, not a big front end. Uh, guy and yeah that's probably enough cool um love love making the videos love teaching you're doing so great we with have those. that you know yeah thanks yeah. i really i appreciate that it's a lot of fun yeah one i've been thinking about well i've been thinking about this sort of thing for a while but one way we could kind of kick off the conversation or at least one way i think about i can talk about the conference talk soon but i was thinking to set some context like so i ended up kind of being like a front end developer or whatever. And the front end ecosystem, JavaScript ecosystem, you know, as folks who are more back end developers have pointed out, is really fragmented. It feels like there's a lot of wheel reinventing going on. And it's confusing why people would use some tools or setups um, when, you know, more established tool sets exist, like Ruby on Rails, like Laravel, that give you so much more out of the box. And um, I think one, one way I've started to think about this is like kind of going back to my story of how I even became like more in the front end community is basically that story. And, and one way I've thought about putting it is high floor versus high ceiling. So if you think this is kind of I'm just working workshopping this, but just let, let me spitball for a little bit. If you think about yeah. starting with an established framework like a Laravel, you're starting off at an extremely high floor, right? And if you go back to the development of something like Laravel or Ruby on Rails, there's a floor there that keeps getting raised up with every release, every feature, every new package. So that, you know, DHH talks about this a lot in his keynotes where he says, Ruby on Rails is about conceptual compression, doing more with less. Mm -hmm. So we want to have a high floor and that's kind of like where we're starting the whole process of like working on these frameworks. And uh, on the other hand, if you put yourself in my shoes back when I was working on that survey, I had an idea for this UI I wanted to build. And I had an idea for the end state, the ceiling, and I didn't want to be limited by anything. So I knew I had to just drop down to JavaScript because I wanted to be able to use all the browser APIs as opposed to an abstraction that, you know, maybe a backend tool gave me or some other library gave me. I mean, I even ended up ditching like charting libraries to use D3 because D3 is in that same level of abstraction where you just get raw access to SVG elements and all the JavaScript that you would ever need because you have access to the full set of browser APIs. And so that's kind of one way I've been thinking about this. And if you think about the JavaScript folks who have an idea for a UI they want to build, like Trello, let's say when it first comes out, we're building Trello, we have an idea for the UI, the user experience, how we want that part to be like the differentiator, the novel part of this product, then, or a Figma or whatever it is, right? But I think Trello is a good example because that's something that we could build today. Then you want a tool that's gonna help you do that and feel like you can build that without restriction. Whereas, you know, again, as folks like y'all have pointed out, I think rightfully so, if you're starting a new company and 
you need to get something quick, you want a higher floor to start out with. And then if you look at how both ecosystems have developed over time, the Laravels and the Rails, which start off on a high floor, have basically been trying to raise the ceiling with things like Turbo Links or what is it, Livewire, um, or mm -hmm. all of these mm -hmm. abstractions that have come to Rails and Laravel to make it so that we can get more of the rich interaction on top of this high floor. And so they've been trying to raise the ceiling, but it's not going to be the same unless you drop down to JavaScript and then you lose some of that cohesion and the integration. Whereas the JavaScript folks said, let's start with the high ceiling, which has a really low floor because we gave up all the stuff that these integrated server-side conventional frameworks give us. And let's try to raise the floor. So we're starting with a high ceiling and let's try to raise the floor. So that's kind of how I see the two ecosystems having started and growing over time and they serve different needs. Um, but um, ultimately, I think we're all trying to have tools that give us a high floor and a high ceiling. It's just that the front end system has focused more on the ceiling and the back end system has focused more on the floor historically. So that's kind of like, I'm just workshopping that, but that's kind of how I've been thinking about things lately. What do you got, Ian? What do you? I know, I know you're ready. <laughs> no, uh, that part seems fine. Like I think that's. I, I think it, to me, it's kind of. I I've been taking it more even simpler than that. I think in the sense of just like in terms of what's going on and like you know the JavaScript putting SQL in the JavaScript on the front end. And all that we'll stuff. get to like, that. We'll get to that. We're right. gonna keep. Right. We're gonna keep saying things. that and not let you defend sure. it. But we're but gonna. They, keep no, saying we'll it. Don't but worry. Like, I'll have the last laugh. No, no, I, I, I actually, I, yeah, uh, I'm not even concerned with that in the sense of like, obviously everybody was going crazy on it, but I'm sure I was very confident that it wasn't like a SQL injection vector. Uh, yeah. I would have been very surprised if they were putting something like that out there. But but I just think like there's all these JavaScript developers and they just want to stay in JavaScript. Just like I'm a Laravel developer and I just want to stay in Laravel. So like I like Livewire because I can stay like... 90% of the time in Laravel right. and only go to JavaScript when I have to. And then if you're a JavaScript developer, you want to stay in JavaScript and only go to thinking about the database or, you know, whatever back end systems when you have to. And so if we can shove that stuff in the JavaScript as much as possible, then I don't have to think about what the server is doing and server side code. I can just stay in my JavaScript land and know that I can query something from here or whatever and get the data back and, do all the weird JavaScript arrays slicing and whatever you do in JavaScript um, and all that stuff uh, without having to leave the zone I'm comfortable with. Right. And since now we've made so many JavaScript developers because like the world's gone a little bit haywire with like everything is SPA and like mm -hmm. everything is ultra reactive all the time, right? That you have all these people who have become JavaScript developers and it's like, yeah, well, we just want to do the other parts of the coding stack from here. We don't want to go over and learn Laravel or Rails or all those things. So that is a simpler explanation. And it's also it. totally valid. I mean, DHH always talks about how much he loves Ruby. And so that's that's totally a fine right. argument for right. wanting to stay <laughs> in Ruby. I want to stay in know? Ruby, right? But, like, yeah. but it is I do think it's interesting because because everyone in the React community was in other community. Well, everyone who created all these front end tools were using back end tools or back end server side languages first. So for me, right. I I enjoyed symphony and then i started using rails at my job and i really liked ruby i mean ruby is awesome it's awesome and rails is awesome and um i didn't have a problem with ruby and the only reason i used javascript is because i wanted to animate svgs when you hovered them or clicked on them 
So that was something you can't do with Ruby. That's the start. Unless you write CoffeeScript, yeah. <laughs> you know, which was another terrible <laughs> oh, idea, ultimately, in, in retrospect. <laughs> but um, I wanted, I, that was my motivation. I wanted to animate a pie chart when you hovered it with the mouse. That's what I was trying to do. So, um, yeah. Humble beginnings. <laughs> Yeah, I like I like the I like the floor ceiling analogy. Uh, I would I would ex- extend it to say that the JavaScript floor is like underground. Oh yeah, you, Dude, y'all, I agree with like, you. I agree it's with it's you. below the <laughs> basement. It's way it down there. Doesn't pass the inspection code uh, anymore for a house. No, you're digging. Y'all got to just stop digging at some point. But yeah, so I like that. I do think. Um, when you start to talk about like Turbo and Livewire, which is which are very similar to you know Live View over in Phoenix Elixir mm-hmm. world, same kind of like even HTMX is, mm-hmm. is very similar to these ideas where it's you know primarily server rendered, sent over, and then morphed out to be you know the front end. I can understand. I think the argument there that the ceiling is a little bit uh, lower because of the things that you you can do not with those technologies, but just with the paradigm itself of like, we're going to send some new HTML over the wire and morph it in Mm -hmm. like, yeah, you can't really do a hover animation in that case. Not very, not very performantly, but I do. I also think that there's like, there's another paradigm that is ceiling less. And that's like the inertia JS um, style where it's, you know, you pair your fully featured server backend with a little bit of protocol glue in the middle, and then you put your whatever, you know, React, Vue, Svelte, you put your that front end um, on the front end, and then you have, you're back into like the the limitless ceiling world of, I can just use React for anything I want, but I still get the power of, you know, queues and database drivers and emails and cron jobs and all of that from my Laravel or Rails application. So I feel like that's a little bit, like if you're trying to do HTML over the wire, I get mm-hmm. it. Yeah, you're gonna get stuck at some point, maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But otherwise, you could go full React land. Yes, and um, yeah. So inertia is nice because it it um, takes care of the protocol basically, and it makes that as like invisible as possible. And that's basically what we were doing with SPAs. If you think about it, our first video screencasting site, which was EmberMap.com, was an Ember SPA. Mm-hmm. Um, with a Rails API backend. And so we used Rails for sending emails and for doing jobs and for authentication and database, you know, active record, all that stuff. And so the protocols, you spent more time back then because something like inertia didn't exist or this the APIs or even GraphQL was a, a, a another way to kind of solve that problem um, to kind of try to minimize the, the loss there in productivity. Um, but uh, I guess this kind of leads to my talk at NextConf last week, which is really about it was it's more about it's about React. It was at NextConf because Next is like the first implementation of kind of the newer set of APIs coming to React. But um, I, hold yeah, on, hold yeah. on. Can we can we stop for one second? <laughs> I've I've avoided this for a very long time, <laughs> very very long time. But I yeah, guess yeah, yeah. in this conversation, I'm gonna have to actually know what the hell next is. Like, can you give me the like <laughs> one minute explanation of what the hell next is? Because thirty like, seconds, I've, make it I've, thirty seconds. I've literally can't do avoided this minute. intentionally the for a year. or five years or whatever it's been going on God, ian but there's no the better there's no better co-host for me than you. <laughs> <laughs> next is like all right give us 30 seconds what 30 is seconds. it like laravel 1.0 or whatever you know for rat for okay. react 
But it's server side though. Well, that was the big thing. So React has the ability to do server side rendering, but setting it up to do so in a tool chain uh, was complicated. And so Next was the first to package it together. Okay. So Next is a framework on top of React. mm Is it it's like a, it's like, also doesn't, doesn't view no. you all use view right doesn't view have nuxt it's kind of like that for react I don't know anything about view <laughs> but yeah, uh, I've never I've never used nuxt <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure I understand anymore so now. it just, it just so, adds it like react by itself just renders it, um right. and it knows how to update the dom right so it like provides routing exactly. and stuff routing like that routing conventions right? around okay. file system names and um, bundler setups okay. so you can import you know, modules from other modules because JavaScript is just turtles all the way down. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, it's funny because you start using JavaScript and you're like coming from Ruby and you're like, well, yeah, Ruby has like, you can import packages. Like it has a concept of packages, like every other freaking programming language. And like JavaScript didn't have that for a long time. They actually, who to cats who created Ember, like spearheaded all that. But it's because JavaScript language has many, many runtimes it originally only ran in the browser. Mm. Then it started running on the server with Node. And even if you're not writing right. a, an HTTP server with JavaScript, you still want to do things on the server, like pre-render your React app into HTML so that it can be served up on a CDN or something like that, which is like kind of what Next did at the beginning. So anyways, mm. getting uh, that whole setup all right, Ian, so you tell me what is next. Now that you know, explain it back to me. I get the concept. It's a, re- a framework over yeah. React. Um, okay. I'm still not totally sure if it also runs on the front end or if it's only for back end. But uh, I I get the general idea of the gl- it's providing all the glue stuff so that you can have routes yeah. and connections. It does run on the back end. Standardization of the packages. And stuff mm-hmm. like that. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's just a back end. It's, no, it's both. It runs but both on the front end and the back end. Oh, it is yeah. both. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. JavaScript uh, you were so people, close. man. You were so close. Yeah. <laughs> the, way, the easy way to think about it is you, you got it halfway right. <laughs> yeah, I was halfway there. The easy way to think about it is like you start off with an SPA, and again, I think about it from Ember because you know when SPAs first came out, like Trello, Trello didn't do like server side rendering because the value of Trello was not in like the pages showing up on Google or whatever. It was like you have to drag the boxes to lanes right. or whatever. So then eventually, yeah. you have that running, and then it's like, well, now we have different boards. What if we could pre-render them so that when you first see it, you get the HTML, the browser can get to the first paint faster and then load the Mm. JavaScript, which can hydrate, which is like adding all the drag listeners to the elements that are already there, you know, that kind of thing. So so that's how it does both the front and the back. But like tailwindcss.com is a Next site. So they use Next. Right. But it's... they used to be. They used to be one of us, and now they're they've abandoned us. <laughs> oh, they're way over on the dark side now. <laughs> they are on the dark side. They're all re- all in on React. Uh, okay, so I think I interrupted you there, right? So now Let's that we continue. don't know what next is, <laughs> right? Continue. Right? No, we know. We're totally solid. So yeah, I uh, I was at Next Comp last week, and I gave a talk on about React, but it was at Next Comp because React just introduced some new APIs. React's really gone through like kind of three phases of like big architectural changes, I guess you'd say. They had the class components mm-hmm. and then they had hooks that let you just write function components. And then now they're introducing these APIs, server components and server actions that are kind of like this third phase of the paradigm, I guess. And Next.js is like the first framework to implement this new paradigm. So 
that's kind of what my talk was about how next is uh, this like the future of react in next today um and all these are very new but that that's what it was about it was about the paradigm and so i can sum it up in so, like so react just for yeah. our list just for our uh, listeners react <laughs> added new primitives essentially and then next has implemented those primitives into something you can utilize yes that seems right yes good. and the, okay. the the thing about server components and server actions these new apis is that unlike previous apis that have come to react which were things like hooks if you've ever seen like use state or use effect um right those were I know about you. Those were uh, you don't know anything about you. <laughs> I know about you, State. That's the part of React I actually know, dude. I know you've been slinging some React, man. I know you like it. I, I know you got to tell like you're. I'm the. I'm I know the you're the Godfather. On this podcast. I know you're the Godfather. Yeah, left. Yeah, so yeah. You gotta say you don't like React, but I know the real Ian. I know Ian likes no, React. No, that's Aaron who doesn't like React. <laughs> that's me. Aaron yeah. doesn't like. You react. said you didn't like react. react at the beginning. Just saying. I me? think you said that. Maybe you no, just don't I like JavaScript. No, no, no. Which is fair. Yeah, I don't like JavaScript. I said I don't like JavaScript. I like React. I mean, if I have to use JavaScript, I yeah, like React yeah, yeah. over Vue. Um, <laughs> so I can sum up my talk basically in yeah. uh, what you guys said earlier, which is you don't like implementing components, but you like using them, which is why we all started using right. any front, front end stuff, because you want to go to Radix and grab a dropdown yeah. because it's the best. Oh, I love hoisted, the hoisted by our own petards, <laughs> and he got us. He was, he was so ready for that. He was ready. So, throw it back so in our face for the same reason that you all like using React, and everyone does um, when they get to use a library that solves their problem, and they don't have to implement <laughs> it. Has, hold on, Aaron, you do like it because you like your remotion, which is along these lines of a okay, thing you can drop in. Remotion is very, very good. <laughs> there yes. we go. I will, I will that's, admit. that's more of a full application more than the yes. component, but still. It's driving home the point. React enables really yeah. awesome abstractions on top of it, right? And there's a, re there's a reason that remotion is written in React and not Vue because React's whole rendering model is effectively like frames. Every frame uh, per yeah, second um, or whatever, Every render pass is a frame and the tree is guaranteed to be unique. And the way you change things is by making a new frame. It's how game engines work. And so tools like Remotion can exist because of the abstraction level of React. But, but it is extremely low level. And, you know, Aaron, I've heard you say, like, that feels like I don't need to know this stuff because I'm a fan of the pod. And I have a video from two years, three years ago yeah. when I was learning React. And I basically say all that same stuff. I'm like, am I doing something wrong? I want to like load data and render a page after I click yes. a link. This is ridiculous. Right. I feel like I'm <laughs> using the wrong tool. And that video is called React is a programming language for UIs because I realized that React itself is really should be thought of more as a programming language, which means that application developers right, shouldn't be building apps with it. But there's this gap uh with the framework ecosystem which has nothing to do with like the floor and ceiling stuff it just has to do with us not having a dhh or a tailor to glue all these pieces together so yes i'm totally on board actually with do, all i actually that. do think that's a big i think yeah, that's, that's a big a part, part of what's going on in the javascript ecosystem is you've got a few big companies with untold amounts of money and everybody's trying to like carve off their own portion of this massive ecosystem. And there's no one like editor curator that has extremely good right. taste. That's like, no, right. this is the way we're exactly. going to do it. We need that. Oh, yeah. and, so and so everybody just ends up exactly. fighting. We need that omakase. I mean, DHH is my dad. I'm a huge fan yes. of conventions over configuration. Like I've been wanting that in the JavaScript ecosystem forever. And um, I'll be the first to say like, 
even the frameworks today that are uh, uh, the most mature in the React ecosystem don't have a dang model layer. They don't have a model library. Like, like fat controllers, skinny, fat model, skinny controllers, I think is one of the most important architectural takeaways from MVC. And everyone brings their own model layer. It doesn't integrate with the controllers. And a lot of people don't even do that. So I think this is a huge gap in the application frameworks for React that has nothing to do with React as a UI library. Um, right. But it's the reality if you are a front-end developer that um, you have to you have to piece those things together. And it's like you guys have said, like many people have said, it's a bad trade-off to make in a lot of situations where you just want to ship a product. So I'm totally on board with that side of the of the critique for sure. I'm still I'm yeah. trying to get Taylor to, right, to so start the- Laravel JS. You know, just. Just <laughs> bring him I mean, in how many Lambos does right. a guy need? If he did that, like he could, he could consolidate so much power under Consol- himself. Oh, this is I, real Godfather I, I, stuff. I, I, we're yeah, about now. seriously, yeah. we can't publish this now. This has to be backroom only. Right. No, we should. But yeah, we should get Taylor he, in here. He really could. Here's a here's real... a quick quick side note before we talk about how Sam is doing SQL injection <laughs> live on stage. Right. Uh, what's the deal with Adonis JS? Why does nobody use, love, or know Adonis JS? Which is basically, see, that's that's what I don't understand. I, I've seen the name, but that's it. it. Is it is Laravel, but in JavaScript? But it's just yeah. not like I don't know what it is. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if they're bad at marketing oh, it's very, or very Laravel in it's, their example. It's almost it's one. It's almost a one to one copy of Laravel, but in mm-hmm. JavaScript. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's just not sexy, mm-hmm. or there's no big company behind you know, it, or they're not that. like people like they're not um, good at marketing or something. But mm. this is the thing: it's like this is a fully featured, like you need to write actual backend mm-hmm. code because you're like building a real application. I feel like Adonis is that, but you know, I feel I feel like a lot of the the JavaScript stuff that we see, especially in examples, is very infrastructure heavy and not very backend mm-hmm. heavy. And so you'll see stuff like. Hey, just call out to Superbase or call out to, you know, all mm-hmm. these other hosted providers. And there is like a very, very thin mm-hmm. back end. And so maybe that's a part of it is yep. JavaScript developers typically outsource the infrastructure, which is becoming more full featured. And so you just call APIs instead of having a back end. Right. Um, I think, yes, I, I think that there's some of that is true. I also think maybe it could be just a cultural thing where um, maybe JavaScript developers, just the culture is not as on board with just getting on to other people's opinions. Maybe we just needed a different personality to scream at us for 10 years the way Dale, the, the way DHH did and say, you know, your app is not mm-hmm. unique. Um, and the things that are different that don't matter is way better for us to just have one yep way to do it so you can move on um on the the back end as services thing i will say like i had i don't know if you all have ever had this and if you've ever done any significant spa work but i did have a very magical experience when me and ryan were at the ted conference and chris the guy who owns ted said i need an app so i can send messages to speakers uh on stage and i need it in like you know half an hour and i want to be able to write messages from my computer show it to them because they always take too long or whatever i want to be able to flash it i want to be able to show them their Mm -hmm. time left and in like 13 minutes me and ryan created a ember app and signed up for firebase which we had never used at the time and imported it and we had 
an Ember app with two routes. One was like admin where he could type things and flash different times. And the other one was like the stage. And it was like the most magical developer experience I'd ever had. Mm -hmm. And that was really significant for me because for the next several years, I was obsessed with this idea just like as a philosophy of like, okay, we need to go all in on the client and the back end needs to become as dumb as possible because this enables this incredible thing. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't writing migrations and I wasn't, I didn't have to set up a day. I didn't have to do any, you know, I didn't have to do any of that. And I've been doing that for years. So um, that, that I think a lot of front end developers probably have done something like that and has made them feel like it was only a matter of time before backend services became more and more commoditized and that the unique value offering was in the front end. And so we just want a tool and a setup that lets us just give me a CRUD interface. I can I can do my extra logic here <clears throat> and go to town and I can get real time for free, all of those kinds of things. So I, I think a lot of us have had experiences like that, which led us to that. But if you zoom forward, to that makes sense. You know, I, I, I do feel like the Firebase thing is a big turning yes. point where it's like, oh, the back end yes. is just there. I'll just call an API and everything yeah. just happens. Do you feel like, I feel like kind of touching on, I do feel like I wonder if that's a, an error, like if that's incorrect, or at least I think in some parts of the ecosystem that's incorrect. And it's kind of interesting because it's like in the B2B land where I live, okay? Like the real the, world. The, the front end is not at all anything like that yeah like because yeah. people use horrible terrible mm -hmm. atrocious mm -hmm. front ends right and like it's all about the back end and like the systems that integrate mm -hmm. together and whatever business logic -y kind of stuff's going on um and the background and, process automation right, that's running 24 hours a day that's yeah. doing whatever right that's your core and offer so, uh, so you're not just gonna does, shell that out to some right some hosted job you, know, you kind of can't yeah. like yeah, i mean you right. can't. Yeah. it's hard anyway it's very hard it's not just like you just sign up and like it does the magical business logic right. you want right? right it's like yeah it's a it's it can abstract a database right. and store some data but it doesn't yes. know what to do yep. with that data right so um so it's kind of interesting because then i do feel like maybe that's part of the stuff you see around that people get annoyed at is like javascript sort of end of things where like people build these sort of consumer simpler apps it kind of pigeonholes you a little bit into that yes. model of like where a consumer app is defined more like that i do think that's true like the consumer app the front end is a bigger advantage um but then you are then limited in some of the other things you can maybe do so there is this idea of like yeah as react getting more into like backend capability it's kind of interesting and maybe making it easier to open up some of those more complicated uh applications yeah my my, my question is always like when i see you know, abstract, you know, backend as a service. I'm like, all right, well, where do you generate your CSV reports and zip them up and FTP them every night at right. midnight? Because that's like a process. That's yeah. a process that, you know, these, you know, these dirty B2B SaaS apps right. have to do. It's like, well, we have to send this file to the local county government every morning at 6 a.m. Like that's an yeah. actual thing I mm -hmm. used to have to do. And right. writing all of that stuff in some like some no right. code or like by cobbling together some APIs. I'm like, I don't even know where I would get started yep. with that. And that's the mental yep. gap for me is where do you guys write all, where do you put all your, your yep. actual logic? So that was both, that was a great segue into the talk. And, um, yeah, there we go. I also agree. We're professionals. Good. We're good not, at this. It's not, not your first a good time. Segue. Yeah. Not your first time. <laughs> um, Ian, you said, I think this is an error. And, I actually agree with you, and I think a lot of us do. So in the case of my app, my little stage presenter app at TED, it was perfect because I didn't run up against the constraints right. of Firebase, right? 
and the APIs it happened to have served our needs perfectly. And so it was a great solution for it. Um, but uh, exactly like you guys say, you run into this boundary. So this is where it's like, if you invert the ceiling and floor thing, and the ceiling is now how much back, I, I know this is getting crazy. I'm just, and it just came to me right now, so just, just roll with it. I'll keep it, going. If the ceiling is not how high the UI can be, the, 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 the maximum capabilities for your UI, but the ceiling is the maximum capabilities for your servers, your server-side code, and everything you could possibly do in a server environment that had access to all the APIs that a server-side language does, then it's actually the same problem. Right. Because if you're using APIs from your React app, then you have a lower ceiling. And then you have us doing Rails and people doing Laravel and Rails saying, well, what if what if my database doesn't let me wrap up all my data into a CSV report and schedule a job at 6, 6 a.m. every day? Then you've hit, you've hit a limit. And so folks like that, like you guys and me in the past, have wanted to make sure we could do everything we could because if I'm writing Rails, I can do that. I've done exactly what you said with Rails. We had to do that kind of thing with Ember Map and we had a Rails server so we could do that. But now that we don't have a separate server, we have to use another service to you know, do X and Y and Z. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it, exactly right is that that kind of middle Sam perspective of like the middle age, like the it's like the develop, it's like the the meme. What is it? The mm. what's that meme? Yeah, the midwit, oh, yeah, top wit, down wit. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Part, the left side of the midwit is write all your server code and all your JavaScript code. You know, JavaScript's best at handling the client, and server's code is best at handling the server. Midwit is oh, we just need a fat mm -hmm. fat client app, and we can just delegate all backend services and then the jedi is like no write all your server code <laughs> mm -hmm. in your server side and client in the client side so exactly <laughs> yes. for these reasons um react introduced server components and server actions and so what they do is um just like you guys said the best part of using react is just rendering the component and not implementing it but because react runs on the client and has access to the entire set of browser APIs, then you can package those APIs up into a React component. And so when you render a modal, you know, with Radix, it can animate up, it can attach a, a keyboard listener so that when you hit escape, then it closes it. It can attach a click listener so that if you click outside the element, it dismisses it and it can trap focus and it can do anything that you need it to do because it is running in the browser. It's not an abstraction on top of JavaScript, blah, blah, blah but it's packaged up in the React component interface. And that makes it fun for you to use and easy for you to use. And it makes it composable with other React components. So server components and server actions okay. are doing exactly the same thing, but for server-side code. Okay, well, hang on. All right, so I had, you, I had you at modals. I had you at click events, trapping, packaging. That all makes sense to me. Packages up a really complex modals, for example, combo boxes, for example, incredibly complex, mm -hmm. just hysterical. But when you package it up into a React component, you get this nice little surface area of like, well, here's the thing I want you to show when you click. Great. Nice. Awesome. Love it. Good packaging. Good developer experience. Server actions and server components. How is that the same? And what is like the... What is the thing that is being packaged? Is it server-side yes. code? 
Hmm. Much to so, consider. Okay. Tell me tell so me consider, <laughs> tell me more. Consider a Laravel app <laughs> that serves a list a table of users when you visit the homepage. Okay. So you it. define an index route, you hit you make a request, the request comes mm -hmm. in, the top of the controller starts running. The controller fetches the data using Eloquent from your database, right? It's an it's it's an Mm -hmm. It's Man, an async function, yeah. right? So <laughs> when PHP runs, it runs, you know, steps can take a long time, right? JavaScript normally is not like this, but it has async await. And in the server-side context, that makes sense. So you await, mm -hmm. you, you, you fetch the data yeah. from the database, and then you pass that data as an instance variable to a view, um, to blade template, and you render the user table. Mm -hmm. And then Laravel responds. Flawless, love it. That's that's the model. What else we should you do want? that. Yeah, and the, the podcast right here. The problem solved. Yeah. I love it. If this is the before, we don't need an after. That's amazing. So, all right, keep uh, then, going. Then Rails or uh, Laravel takes the Blade template, compiles it in HTML, packages it up in HTTP response, responds mm -hmm. to the browser, and the browser renders it. So everything I just described, okay, can be packaged up. You can think of it as rendering. A user table. If I were to render a user table, a server-side user table as a React component, then you could put all those steps inside. But if I want to render it, then I could just render it. And if you're using this new architecture, mm -hmm. this new paradigm, then you have an index route that support that that renders that serves up a user's table. But when it's rendered on the server, it does all of those steps and it does exactly the same thing that the Laravel app does. Does it actually go all the way through to rendering the HTML on the server and then spitting yes. out the complete HTML? It does more than that, but that okay. is the right way to think about it right now. That is. Okay. Okay, so why would you do this? Are you with us? <laughs> Did you get all that? Did you get that, Ian? <laughs> I got it. I, I do okay, have it. Okay, okay, okay. Explain, explain it back to me, Ian, because the thing I didn't get was, yeah. like, I, I got the whole render pipeline, but then it was like, if you want to rent now you have a function i didn't get that part so what happens i mean i think it's just like if you were to think it's it's basically it's just doing it server side like laravel would do it but now it's executing you know you could bundle up a custom laravel component that like or live wire full page component that like receives the http request and then does whatever database stuff it needs to do and then renders the html and then spits that back to the browser. That could all be in one, like. Okay, so we're saying a React server wire, component. Example. A React server component is much like the Route Laravel yeah. blade yes. Yes. rendering mm -hmm. model. Yeah. So it's going to start executing it all, on server, all on the, the server, server and only yeah. on the server. This component only ever renders on the server. It only I ever see. executes the body of the of the function, the steps. The await, the connection to the database, the processing of the blade template. It's in the server with request and response. Got it's it. a single okay. step, do, 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 and then it has a response. It's not re-rendering the way React does on the client. Okay. And your you all's name for this is server. This would yes. be a server yep. component, which is different yes. than a server action, which we'll yep. talk about, I assume, at some point. Exactly. But this is a server yep. component. Got it. Okay. Cool. So, Got it. All right. Carry on. Why would you want to do this, right? Why would you want to package up rendering a user table from a database in the React component interface? Well, for one reason, like you guys were saying, people like using React should components. Never, should have never easy. said it. They look should've like never HTML. Said it. <laughs> <laughs> they look a lot like HTML. You invoke them with angle brackets. Mm -hmm. 
and you can customize them by passing props in the same way that you render HTML elements and customize them by passing attributes. And you can nest them, right? In React, it's called children. Um, but, you know, in, uh, it's just nested HTML elements, I guess, in, in HTML. And of course, this was all inspired by HTML so that it was familiar and felt fun to use mm-hmm. for web developers. So that's where the component interface came from. But it proved to be a really useful way to expose APIs. And again, over time, we can write that modal today as a single component, which it really doesn't get much easier. I mean, it's basically what you would imagine it being if it if and when a modal does come to HTML, right? How would HTML give you a modal to use? They would give you a modal and you would invoke it. You wouldn't like set up a portal in the top of your app to make sure it renders correctly with a Z index on top of this. You wouldn't have to write more JavaScript to attach it to make sure that it listens for keyboard clicks and mouse clicks. It would just all be contained in that interface, right? So at this point, we have all of those tools like use effect and use state and react portals that enable an abstraction like a modal to just all be self-contained. So the goal with server actions and server components is to do the same thing. So why would you wrap up rendering a user table on the server side into a component? Well, for the same reasons that we wanted to do that with modal. Because if I have a user table, now how do I customize it? Well, maybe I can pass in a filter prop or a sort prop. And it's just like passing a prop to a React component. This is all... Which is powerful. Just to get super old school on you guys for a second. This is all the same stuff that Cold Fusion had like literally 25 years ago. And I miss Cold Fusion all the time because like uh, we've just been reinventing Cold Fusion for the past 25 years. And it's very funny to me because it was like just a graph tag. You drop a graph tag in and it gives you a graph mm-hmm. and you can pass a query into the graph mm-hmm. tag as a prop and you mm-hmm. get that mm-hmm. data graph. Mm-hmm. And like, we're just all, we're, we're getting back to what we had 25 years ago. We're, there's we're always, there's always a get off my lawn moment <laughs> or like an old man yells at cloud <laughs> moment. And it's always, it's always very fun. Yeah, so yes, yeah, cold. We're all back to cold fusion. Somehow. <laughs> we're getting there. We're getting there. But anyway, okay. So the packaging we're so, organizing. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's about, pa- so, so in the same way that the, Client components, which they're now called, mm-hmm. which have, have been called React components up to this point, because there was no right. other. Th- Y'all have got to work on kind, this naming churn. Naming, yeah, this, this is, this not is wild. wild. This naming is not well no. at all. We need to get. They should pay Taylor an ungodly sum of money to just come in and like fix the naming. There you go. That yes, go and once so, once you, you name something, you you got to live with it. So you got to yeah. think ahead because if you're going to yep. be changing all these names all the time, <laughs> people are going to get confused. Uh, okay. Um, but yeah, so, uh, in the same way that, um, yeah, basically the APIs that let us wrap up the browser APIs in the client side JavaScript that we want to write behind the react component interface, that's what these server components are doing. But the implementation of the server side components is running on the server. It's in the server. And so you don't hit that ceiling anymore. And now you can author any server side code you want and still put it inside of your React app, right? So again, just that was just kind of making that point back to the, the getting rid of the backend as a service thing. Okay. This, this, this is solving, wrapping that logic up into the component interface because A, it's fun and easy to use. It's familiar for web developers. It works well in the client. Um, B, because it's the same component interface, this is really the key point of this whole architecture. It composes with your client components. So 
that makes sense. We don't have to get into the details here, but this is kind of like to your point about, well, we have inertia and inertia lets us write client side JavaScript without limits on the front end and PHP without limits on the back end. And it wires them together. Isn't that great? Why do we need anything else? Because there's no limit in either environment. And it is true, basically, that when you're building a modern web experience, you basically do have two apps that you're building, right? You have two apps. You have a server that is a handling requests. It's dealing with requests and response. And it's stateless. It's a stateless server. And it just handles and spits it out. And then you have a client app that is a long-lived stateful app that has a session. So, you know, it's, it's, it's not an HTTP session, but it has state associated with it over time. It's long-lived. It's like an iPhone app. But you need both these things to work together to deliver like a modern, you know, what people do on the web these days. And so something like Inertia does help you write these two apps and tries to abstract away as much of the communication as possible. The reason React server components are different from just that is because since they are both wrapped, both the client side features and the server side features are wrapped in the same component interface, you can compose them together. And so now you can have a user table that fetches data from the database and renders you know, an HTML table with dynamic data. And if you want to put it in a modal, then you just wrap it in a modal. Okay. You just it's it's right. a it's a it's a JSX That's file. Neat. It's a react it's your page is a JSX page and you just import modal from Radix and you wrap it. And now your server side rendered, server side generated user table is going to show up in a modal with all of the client behavior that that modal has once once React kicks in on the client. So that is like that is the point of the whole paradigm. Right. So you basically. end up with like a React, a JSX file that has things that are going to execute on the server, tags that are going to execute on the server, and other tags that are going to execute on the client, but it's just one HTML looking page. And the exactly. React, it's a whatever React side of it's working at that moment is going to do the right thing with the correct tags and leave the other stuff alone. Exactly. Um, and it, so it's basically cold fusion. That's the short, that's the short basically way to describe PHP. this. <laughs> it's PHP. It's uh, PHP. That's no, what a plate file is. This is what a plate file is. It's just, we separate ours by language, right? So you right. have a blade file and it's like, well, this part's going to render on the server because it's PHP and this part's right. going to render on the client because it's JavaScript. Right. This so, goes all the way back to like, I just want to stay in JavaScript, right? Like if I just want to stay in JavaScript, then yeah. I can yeah. just stay in React and JavaScript and not go between those two languages or whatever. But yeah. You'll still have to learn all those same concepts. Obviously, at some point, they'll be queuing and sending emails and whatever. I don't know if those things exist yet in the React server-side stuff, but at some point, they will, whether it's in a framework or in the core or whatever, mm -hmm. and people have to learn what that is sure. and all the sharp edges and all that stuff, uh, too. But yeah, I, I get it. So okay, I get so. it. I get it. So React server components, I get it. I I see the appeal. It makes sense to me. I still think there's this entire chasm missing of like all the business logic and stuff. But in terms of like creating views and interfaces and stuff that like the actual view layer, React server components sound reasonable to me. Yeah. I mean, I don't like, know. I, can, I get that. Could so, they, I mean, are the components structured in such a way that the component, you would have components that are your business logic? I guess so. Right. Yeah. So, no. so this is the thing. No. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> I was, I was trying. I'm holding your hand, man. I went too far. I'm, I'm, no. I'm taking. I'm taking my time. No. Holding your hand. I'm trying to get I you there. Appreciate you coming on today. Uh, so it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just about the view and rendering. So, um, 
yes, you need business logic. And yes, the JavaScript server side ecosystem doesn't have as mature a set of libraries to do all the things. Like I remember my one of my first Rails side projects with my brother was it email, it was called like callyourmom.com. And uh, you would set up an email reminder system and you could put it on a schedule. And so you say, I want to call my mom every week. And uh, I would get an email every week and I could say, call my Aunt Julie every three months and remind me every morning to, you know, take drink water or whatever. And there was this like recurrence library in Ruby mm -hmm. and uh, it let us just do all that stuff. And that's not going to be something that you get by using like a web service. And um, again, the point of server components is not it's not at the same level as MVC or application architecture concerns. It is trying to let folks who are building those abstractions and libraries and packages wrap them up into the, the same interface so that they're easier to use in the same way that React libraries on, on the client, UI libraries, all wrap up their modals and their dropdowns and their dialogues into a component so they're easy to use and they play well with the rest of the React ecosystem. So um, that is the goal of server components. It is a, it's a tool for, to, to it, it's, a, it's a building block. It's like a missing primitive, you could say, in React that allows you to package up whatever you're doing on the server in a, e a way that's easier and fun and more fun to use, honestly, just like, again, rendering a modal. So we talked about user table that renders it. It's a view logic. You're like, that's fine. What about the business concerns? So this is the thing. This is where server actions come in. And this uh -oh. is the SQL injection uh -oh. slide. All right. Okay. Where was <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Insert into bookmarks. <laughs> that's right. So <laughs> in the talk, I'm explaining how to make like a news story you know, it's like a, it's like a magazine or whatever mm -hmm. it has like, it was Apple news. I was clipping things from Apple news. Um, I got like a midnight the night before I talk as I was frantically trying to finish my mm -hmm. notes and, um, you have your articles and then you want to add something that does like a mutation, you know, which, what's common way people call it these days in front end, but it's just, you want to write back to the database or you want to trigger an email or whatever. So in this case, you want to write back to the database. You click the bookmark and you want to get the current user from the session and then save this bookmark to their backend. So you add a bookmark and normally you might have an on click. And this is where you kind of get out of the React tree, the UI, and you hit an API endpoint uh, or like this is what inertia would do, right? Inertia, you would on click and then that routes you. Inertia is going to route you to some server side controller, let's say. That's yep. like an action. It's like a it's a create, it's a post mm -hmm. on the bookmarks controller, something like that, right? Mm -hmm. And so when you click that, you make an API request, it sends a post message to slash bookmarks, and then you write your PHP code that says insert into bookmarks and then return success true. That goes back to the client and then you can say, yeah. oh, it's pending, oh, it's good to go, okay, it's saved. Sounds and then awesome. you re-render yeah. it and- uh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that's exactly, that's, in fact, that's exactly so, what I would do. So yeah, beautiful. Nailed it, yeah. So. So what? <laughs> so what's the pro what's the pro what's the problem with this? No, no problem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can't set me up like that. No problem. Uh, no problem. All perfect. <laughs> so it, 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 the way th the way I think about it is again. Do you guys know what React portals are? Where they like create something? I think view they all have this now. Where if you need to make a drop down, like jump or, around or a modal, in the DOM to different parts, you need to jump DOM. around the yeah, DOM yeah, for sure. Exactly. Um, before all these front-end frameworks had the ability to do that, then to use a modal, there was always a second step, right? You had to set up that part, that container, and give it like an ID to this thing. It's like, it's like spooky action at a distance, mm -hmm. 
mm. right? Because you have a modal here, but you actually have the modal container somewhere up here. So if I want to copy the modal and use it again, I have to be aware of, it actually has an implicit dependency right. or maybe an explicit dependency, but it has a dependency outside of the component boundary. So I can't just copy and paste the modal right. around. So if you think about the button in the Inertia app, if I wanted to copy a bookmark button into a new place, do I just copy the bookmark? Well, what is the dependency there? there there's a dependency on the API server and the, the specific route that it's hitting mm -hmm. for it all to work, yeah. mm -hmm. for the full stack feature to actually work. Yep. So the action has leaked outside of the component boundary. And so we lose the benefits of that packaging, that slim interface. And you can't just, you can't copy it around your app as easy, maybe whatever, right? So that's, that's like the goal. So server actions fix that problem. You can think of a server action as in, in your, in your view template, instead of making a request to an endpoint, and then that endpoint hitting a controller in your Laravel app that runs the post method. Mm -hmm. What if you could import that post method? What if you could have a, what if your bookmark component could import post from bookmarks controller mm -hmm. and say on submit equals bookmarks controller dot post mm. so you're carrying you around that. you're carrying around the the action with the ui or i guess the exactly component. exactly and now if you have that inside of the component and you export that and share that i can copy your bookmark component and render it and when i submit it it's just going to use that code because it's importing it directly. It's like a uh, live wire vault. It's like what Taylor is trying to do with vault. Like you have the lot business logic, let's say the server side code at the top of the file and you have the HTML at the bottom of the file. It's all one file. You could take that file and move it around and it would all still work exactly the same. Exactly. Um, yeah. Like so is, the, the, is the primary benefit because I haven't seen anybody talk about the primary benefit. I've just seen people talk about how cool it is. I'm like, I don't get it. So is the primary benefit this thing you're describing here where everything is is co-located together in terms of like the front end initiator and the back end responder are all kind of together in the same actual file? Yes. So in this case, there actually is no front end code. So in my example, so I was kind of talking to you through this case of... <laughs> <laughs> of the inertia app where okay. the inertia app has the view app running on the client right Correct. and then when you press a button it's like an spa mode and it's going to use a fetch request to hit the api endpoint yes right mm -hmm. so what if instead your inertia view like rendering ui layer never started running view on the front end and it just pre-rendered that button on the server and had html right and then when you submit the form, it makes like an HTTP request, but the form has like an action pointing to a specific route that your server can route to this, to run the code that you imported and attached directly. Mm. If that makes okay, sense. Okay, so this is, this, is the bun this is the bundler thing where exactly. what you're writing is not what is being uh, served up. Not the form in which it's being served. Exactly. And so it's like if you could import that post con that bookmarks controller dot post method, and then you had a server endpoint in your Laravel app that was like slash actions. And anytime your front end makes a request to it, even an HTTP request, but let's just let's just say an Ajax request or whatever, because um, that doesn't really matter. It's not running on the client. It mm -hmm. goes to that endpoint. And then 
your your server's able to look up, oh, when they make a request to actions with these this like ID or something, we get the bookmarks controller.post method. We run that code on the server and then we return the result. And um so it's now like your bookmark now your bookmark. You. Yeah, yes. But the bookmark now doesn't have any of that spooky action at a di- distance. If you were to put that bookmark component that had the server action, like it could be importing it from the file, or could just be right there because you know in JavaScript it's all JavaScript, so you could you could write that there. That's what like that use server directive is. Mm-hmm. But either way, the conceptually it's the same thing. If you could put it all inside of that bookmark component, then you could share it, and anytime someone rendered it with the angle brackets, they'd be getting the server side logic for the mutation, right? Which could have a direct handle to a database because it's running only in the server, and um, that's it. So you've you've put all of those concerns inside the boundary. And so now you can just render the component and it can basically come bundled with the server side mutation that it, it needs to do to work. You don't need to make sure there's an API server set up or whatever, right? So that's that's the idea. And um well, yeah, yeah, what do you think? Do you, I don't know. Ian? I, I, I guess my only thing with sense. it yeah. is does uh yeah, I mean I think it makes sense and all that part of it i do wonder like do you think it's like a practice i haven't dug like super deep into the actual like api of it but is it a practical thing because there's like there's like okay let's put some sql here to insert right a bookmark row great like that's very straightforward it's a single line fine but then you get into like a real application that's got like well we have to authorize can this person even do this and then we have to try to insert it but what if it fails and maybe we have some other case in that. So like that, it's actually like 20 lines of code is like the sure. real amount of code you'd actually need to do this. Like, does it start to break down when you get into like that type of a real world implementation as opposed to like the conference talk implementation of like, yeah, we didn't sure, use sure. the line of SQL and it, that's cool. And it inserts like, I guess, yep. how does that look when you when you actually build a more real action? Yep. So to bring it to the example in in the talk, I was building this bookmark on this Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift slide and uh, wanted to bookmark it to save it. Obviously, and so originally we had an API endpoint that inserted the bookmark, and and the button was making an AJAX request to that endpoint. Then I show how this is like a coupling here, and if we can just import the action and put it directly in here, then we've encapsulated all the logic inside the bookmark mm-hmm. component, right? And um, first of all, all that is rendering and the server action is executing on the server. So it's not, it does hydrate and it ends up using Ajax, but that's kind of besides the point because um, the SQL code that ran is actually, it's like a template tag literal. So it was never running on the client because some folks were looking at the the slide that was going around Twitter and saying like, you're 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 running this like code on the client. That's not always happening because it right. was a server action, and the, the SQL tag function sanitizes the input, so there was no injection either. It's, it yeah. the function actually it was running that through a function, but so that setting that aside, that was just fun. I mean, it was it was just right. for fun, right? Yeah. I mean, I was making a simple point, but there's no injection, and you're not running SQL on the client. But to your point about the application concerns and the maintainability and the scalability of it, one way to think about this is like. Before we were just writing API endpoints so that these things talk to each other. And we used things like inertia to try to minimize how much of that we even have to think about. Mm-hmm. I just really want to run this server-side code when I sub- click on this button. And inertia has a way for me to do that. I can do that by myself. And this is like one step further. It's just removing that 
conceptually all together so that you can just import a function and invoke it the same way you would anywhere in your mm -hmm. program. So and then elsewhere is that logic in the important exactly. Function. So the yeah. function that you run when you submit the form or click the button, we're removing. We've removed this network, the the details of how to pass the arguments and call it in response to an event, um, because that was a technological limitation that we didn't have before. So now we remove that limitation so that we can just pass functions. But when it comes to things like design, like code design and maintainability and reuse. All of the lessons still apply from before. So again, going back to my Rails days, uh, fat models, skinny controllers. If you have a controller that's a couple lines long, make sure there's a current user, try to insert it, return an error if not, otherwise render the success or whatever, um, the new, the new to-do you created, or the new post, that's fine. That's like a couple lines of code. Yeah, throw that in your, in your uh, post method of your Rails app. But as your app grows, like you said, there's more and more logic. And people's controller methods did get really long, and that was messy and hard to maintain. And the answer was fat model skinny controllers. So you create domain objects so that your controller just says something like send an email. And then, you know, it's like a, e a mailer dot send this message here. The mailer class has the logic and that's somewhere else. And it knows how to connect to AWS or whatever. And it knows how to turn this into the right format and actually send it or enqueue a job if that's what it needs to do because it's a mailer and then it returns to success. So your controller would still be slim. And so again, it's not really, it's, it's a different level than MVC, but as folks use this, it's, you, you can bring all of that design print. So instead of SQL, obviously you would probably use like, I like ORM. So I would use an ORM there. And then if, the logic became more complicated, you could extract it into these kind of domain objects for the, for the sake of maintainability and, and clarity. But uh, all right, so let me let me let me try this yes. on you. Yeah, mm -hmm. so let, let me try this. React server action is the controller. Yes, level layer portion slice exactly coupled with coupled with some sort of uh, view or initiator or whatever, whether that's a you know React client or or React client component or a react server component you know regardless yes. you bundle it all together and now your your view and your controller are nice and neat and coupled not in a bad way but like in a way that you can carry them around together exactly what is still missing that is yet to be like either talked about very much or invented is the rest of like the the, the fat models, the cues, right. all of like right. the actual, you know, under iceberg part of like the business logic. And so right. what I'm I think I think that is probably the answer to my main question, which is like, yes. why would anyone do this? This feels yeah. like this. This feels like <laughs> terrible spaghetti. But the answer is not the answer is not you're going to shove all your logic in your views. The answer exactly. is you're going to have bookmark service or bookmark model dot create. You're going to have one exactly. or two or three lines that would be more analogous to a controller than exactly. it is your entire domain's logic. That should still be someone else. And we need somebody in the JavaScript exactly. ecosystem to champion that and teach everybody. Put all of this in a reasonable place, not in your React server action. Yes, exactly. That's, I'm glad you said that because that's a great analogy. Imagine, so right now when you have methods in your Laravel controller, um, you have controller methods in your Laravel app. How do you hit them? You have to make an HTTP request mm -hmm. to them somehow. You click a link or you submit a form. 
If you're not using JavaScript, links and forms are the only way that the browser, your browser, can interact with your Laravel app. Mm-hmm. What so if you glorious. could write on hover? What if you could write on hover, run this controller post method or bookmarks create method? And you just had a way in PHP to do that so that Livewire, right? Yeah, that's live wire. That's, <laughs> that's like, that's, that is that's but the that's, appeal that's of the live idea. Wire. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the appeal. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yes. why we like mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So anyways, that that that's that's kind of the idea. That's that's kind of the idea. But um, yes, and in, in terms are of are there are there I was just going to ask, are there people working on like, is there an ORM already or are there are these yeah, other components? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's an yeah. ORM for every day of the week, man. Yeah. Yeah. So the model layer there. is, I think, uh, going back to earlier, the model layer is the thing that the biggest missing piece in terms of a coherent one um prisma is pretty good um and it has a lot it has relational ideas of relations relationships Mm -hmm. and foreign keys and you know transactions and all that stuff and i will say like you do do less in the back end like even when we had our full rails app serving up for ember map and we weren't trying to get rid of the back end and only make an ember app right we had a full rails app which was great when you had to do anything custom a lot of the stuff that you used to do, you would do more stuff on the client because it's interactive. You want to filter it fast down or whatever. And um, a lot of the, it, it feels like these days I need the full power less, way less often than when I was writing Rails apps, let's just say. But anyways, that, setting that aside, um, there are tons of libraries in the Node ecosystem that let you do organize. I mean, there's lots of, yeah, there's lots of really huge Node apps that are yeah. well designed from an object oriented, you know, separation of concerns, maintainability perspective. Um, but because React server component is not trying to solve that problem, they're trying to give you a primitive that lets you distribute Interact these in a way stuff. that composes yeah. because so far everyone's been doing server side data fetching in their own way. And so right. I can't bring down these components and add them. I have to use my framework specific ways to fetch data and to write data. That's the problem they're trying to solve, but mm. there's definitely still problems in the model layer that need to be solved. Um, and so kind of how I end the talk actually is talking about like what this future would look like. And so um, imagine like you could have if you had a form library that was opinionated about your database design in the way I'm sure there's like form four helpers, something equivalent to form four from Rails and Laravel, where the form helpers in Laravel comprehend your models and relationships, right? So if you need to create a form to create, you know, a user with three to do's, like the form helpers n- map it to your database so that you can render it, you type in the data and you hit submit. And it knows how to take the graph of data from the form in the HTML and map it to the right places in your databases, setting up the foreign keys. That only is as coherent and consistent because all of those abstractions know about the other ones. You have to have Eloquent, you have to have a database that has foreign keys, and you have to have a form helper that makes assumptions about the name of the model and what data it, it gets, right? And so that's, that's incredible. It's super powerful. So what would that look like in React? Well, you could have basically the same thing. So you could render a form, input, a component. You could say like, this is like user.firstName and I could just render that. Let's say I just bring in Postgres and an ORM like Prisma and now there's like a Prisma, like there's like a, a form 
library that works. That's like those three are a package together. That's one package. It's a new library. I install that. It tells me how to set up my database in the same way Rails would. And it gives me form components that let me render those. This is a cool thing. So now I render a form and I say, I say input type email. And where's the data coming from? Again, it's a server component. So I just pass in props. I say user.find one basically, but it's just one user ID one. So just rendering email input with user ID one and field password, I get server side rendering. It fetches the database and it waits it. And it does it again, it's HTTP request and response. So the first time you load that, it's doing it. So you get HTML from the server, right? And it renders that data from the database right there. I didn't have to set anything else, literally as easy as rendering a modal. And it does all of that. Then the React app starts running on the client because it does hydrate in any client behavior you have. I put my cursor in the input and I add a character. I type in A. And this input has um, a listener for keyboard events. And as soon as it changes, it also has a server action that knows how to update that field in the database. And it renders a spinner while that's happening on the client. And it's all in that component. So that is like the dream, right? All of this functionality end-to-end, -end, a complete end-to-end -end feature can be packaged inside of a component. And the more opinions that these people have about your architecture, the more powerful and Rails-like and Laravel-like these abstractions will become. But even with third-party services like adding Stripe to your app, with Stripe, maybe you have a UI component, but you're also used to, okay, now we got to set up the server-side component. If they make a server component that has server actions, you could just render Stripe checkout, just the way you render modal, and that's it. That's all you have right, to do. It'll all be connected. Maybe, yeah. and, and again, yeah. it can have access to environment secrets because it's running on the server, so maybe there's an environment variable that it uses. It, it's all encapsulated in the, in the component boundary. So that to me is like, that's kind of the dream, right? It's kind of like one way you could say this is like, I love using Tailwind UI components and Radix components, modals and dropdowns and, you know, going to town on the UI. It's easy. It's fun. It's like the easiest and funnest part of my job, right? What if you could build a whole app out of React components? That's like, that's one way to right, think about this. Just kind of this. piecing it together. Um, and all the details, just like Inertia abstracted some of the details between client and server communication, these really take it another level because it's just, it's just components and composition. And there's like, there's more cool stuff that comes out of this model, but that is really, that's kind of the way I'm thinking about it. So, okay. So you ready for my hot take on that? Hot yes, take. I'm ready. Let's I'm go. ready. Here, here's my hot take on that. That sounds awesome. Nobody, you said that's the dream. And you said if this, you know, library did exist or whatever, I think my hot take on that is somebody needs Somebody needs to have those opinions and enforce them because what you described of, oh, if there was this library that had like, you know, Prisma and Postgres and a form all kind of wrapped up together. Well, the what is what's going to happen is people are going to be like, well, I want to use Drizzle. I want to yeah. use Drizzle with it. I want to use Kaisley with it. I want to use MySQL. I want to use SQLite. And then suddenly you're back to this situation where you are inventing from scratch or maybe you're inventing from eight different you know, well battle tested libraries, you're inventing your own meta framework where you're then maintaining like, oh, okay, well, I have this form field thing that interacts, you know, with my Prisma. Prisma just upgraded to 5.0. So I got to make sure that my form field thing is. And so what I think needs to happen, what could make someone fabulously wealthy if they could pull it off correctly, is they could take 
all of those good opinions that you just shared and say, this is the way we do it. And like kind of the thing that I feel like Laravel did so well was it does use, you know, it does use third party libraries very heavily under the hood. Like our, you know, file system, our cloud file system thing is built on top of, I think it's called fly system, Mm -hmm. but it's like, yeah, you don't actually need to know that fly system really exists. You just use Laravel's file system, right? And our HTTP, you know, request response is built on top of Symfony's HTTP classes. And it's like, well, yeah, you don't really need to know that those exist. But the great thing that we get out of that is that our models and our queues and our uh, controllers and our scheduling, they all know about each other. And so everything works exactly as you're describing. The thing that's missing, I think, on y'all's side is that one, that one, like one set of opinions that's like, you, you're going to use, you have to use Prisma. In fact, you may not even know you're using Prisma because we've yes. built, we've built a single, a, you know? a single opinionated interface on top of all of these really good libraries. Right. But now you're using, you know, you're using Sam Avell or whatever you want to name well, your thing. But like somebody has to make those decisions for you. It, it seems like this provides the tool to even allow exactly. that to exist, right? Before exactly. it would so, be very hard for that to exist. Whereas now it can be organized in such a way that it could exist. Yeah, so we'll I see think, what comes I think out this of that. Is, exactly. Like this from React's perspective, the, the library maintainers and designers, this was a missing primitive for that level of composition behind a set of opinions. And that could also wrap the server side actions and rendering and fetching inside of the same component interface. So that is my hope that it will provide that. I don't think that excuses the JavaScript community for the last 10 years of not having stronger opinions because you didn't need server components and actions. You didn't need to build an app out of components, even if it's enables some really amazing things that we weren't able to do with any other technology, like putting the user table in the modal in the same tree in the same file. Mm -hmm. Like there's no other technology that lets you do that. Um, But, uh, that's not an excuse for not having more opinions because people did spend a lot of time wheel reinventing. But um, that is, I think, where we're going to head because in the same way that we render a modal and we don't care, let's say the modal has collision detection. And so if you're at the bottom of the screen, it'll render on top. You know, mm-hmm. there's some hook underneath, like use window width or use window height that it's using. And when those first came out, people had strong opinions about them. Now they're packaged inside of the modal. And so we don't care. So if you get the abstraction right, then people don't care about those low level things. And they're yes. not going to say, I want to use Drizzle and not Prisma. Right. Yes. So um, that's that is the hope. That is the goal, at least from my perspective. That's what I want to see. That's what a lot of us want to see. So so just kind of wrap it up here since we're. Yeah. Gone. This is, we're gonna have like uh, six hours of podcast this week, but um, <laughs> but uh, you know, one thing I did want to just touch on is like y- normally when you become the main character on Twitter, it's terrible. Like you don't want to become the main character on Twitter. It's horrible. <laughs> but I feel like you've actually you kind of like this worked out not so bad for you because like the idea got a lot of criticism, but then exactly. people were also having fun with it. And I don't think I saw anybody like complain about you at all. Like they weren't like no. the Sam guys an idiot. No. They were just no. like, it was, it was great. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. It was and fun. Then people kept, people kept messaging me. 
Yeah, exactly. People kept messaging me over the weekend. Like, they're like, are you okay? I hope you're doing all right with this. I was like, are you kidding? This is, <laughs> this is hilarious. Like, yeah, I did not that take any so of it personal. I mean, people were like, these guys are idiots or whatever. I mean, it sure. Yeah. It, in the abstract. It, yeah. it, I liked it. A lot of people were curious about it. I think a lot of people will be interested in the talk because of it. So that's great. You know, I had, yeah, I mean, I had no problem generating, with it. All. it fun. Hey, you're on here because of it, right? Like we wouldn't yeah. have yeah. thought to necessarily <laughs> exactly. have a react episode. Right. But it's like, oh, there's like this thing going on and people are getting upset by it, but it's like kind of cool to talk about and yeah. learn more about it. And that's what we've done. So, um, yeah. all right, man. Well, thanks for coming on. really appreciate it. Uh, since this Definitely. is going on two feeds, we should say where each feed can be found in case yes. you want to yes. cross-pollinate listeners. Exactly. Perfect. So, Sam, you want you, where's you, where, all right, I'll go first. So, um, <laughs> obviously, you can find us on uh, mostly mostly Tech Pod. Oh, my goodness. This know, is I'm our first get podcast right. episode mostly ever. Mostly Tech Pod at Twitter, MostlyTechnical.com. You can email us at MostlyTechnicalPodcast at gmail.com. Um, and definitely, I'll just give a thing for sam here too to check out build ui which is his uh screen uh casting video course courses on react video courses on react and uh tailwind and other tech along those lines so definitely check that out um Thanks, and yeah sam. sam why don't you say where you can find your uh podcast yeah so we'll put this on front end first and that's mine ryan's podcast yeah. we do some interviews but mostly just us talking about kind of what we're working on so frontendfirst.fm is our website and um yeah, I'm excited to have helped make the Mostly Technical podcast a little more technical. This might be your most technical episode ever. This actually. is by Definitely. far our most technical. <laughs> yeah, if you're so, if you're listening on the front end first feed, most of the time Ian <laughs> just talk about nonsense. It's like if Se- if Seinfeld were Seinfeld. a podcast. So uh, yeah, this is our definitely most most technical one. But I, I think a, you navigated it well. Yes, yeah, I definitely did describing uh technical concepts over audio is not always the easiest but i think mm-hmm. for the most part it came through pretty well there and I we understood so. what was going on so uh good and job I, I Sam. won't i won't admit to this publicly even though this is on two podcasts <laughs> but i've been i've been moved a little bit I, oh. I i wouldn't even call it a, i wouldn't even call it whoa i wouldn't call it a step i would just call it a slight lean maybe i'm not even just a lean just I, gotta yeah, I hook it, it i get it I get him. it. I get it a little bit was, more. Listen, you just you made my day, buddy. Yeah, made my day. I don't want to hear about it ever again. So don't bring this back to me. I don't want you to clip this part and put it on Twitter. But yeah, it makes a little more sense. It makes a little. Listen, more sense. I gotta say before we go, Aaron, you got a skincare routine or something just to bring back the mostly part and mostly technical. Uh, Your face yeah, all looks great on camera, man. Do you have this problem? Because we both make videos. You wake up and you're like. You know, I don't know. You got you got to be looking sharp for these cameras with these it's HD 4K videos. Is. And you're yeah. always like so put together. I mean, you go to a sauna or a spa or something. What's the what's the secret? You know, you know, I don't. I took Accutane when I was 16, and I think it's still paying off. Um, but sometimes this is another secret. So this is nobody's listening at this point. You're an hour and a half in, so it's just <laughs> yeah, us. We it's can just do. Us. We can go full skincare pod now. Sometimes yeah, if it. I get sometimes if I get a bad one and I have to record, I I use my wife's concealer for oh, sure. Oh, nice. You know what? Yeah. I've been this oh, close to asking some of my girlfriends. Yep. Like you know, I had to do a last video for the remix course, and I had like I was playing with my friend's dog, and we got in like a biting match. Like, mm-hmm. you know we were like, you lost, yeah. and and yeah. and I lost, and yeah, I little red. I was like, I'm this close to going to Rite Aid. And asking yep. what do women do um, yes. for this sort of thing, but I haven't crossed that bridge yet. But I'm sure once you do, it's just you know you're there. It's, it makes yeah. honestly like it just makes 
Yeah, it makes me feel good. But more importantly, it's like consistent, <laughs> right? It's yes. consistency. Yes. So yes. I can continue to record yes. and not be like, oh, that was the day he had the massive zit on his head. And then, oh, this must be a different day because he doesn't have that anymore. Mm-hmm. And the funniest thing that had happened was, you know, I had I had a, a big one one day and I went out to my wife and I was like, hey, where's our makeup? <laughs> she was like, what do you mean? <laughs> She's like, dude. Oh, yeah. Love it. But they've got this thing that you just you just like you, know? you just put a dot on it and then you kind of it just goes they away. Have the te- they have the yeah, technology. It's amazing. That's but amazing. no, beyond that, I just use a bar of Dove soap on my face like a caveman. It's pretty good, man. Well, yeah, uh, dude, I really stuff, do like. I, I really have been enjoying following your your video work this year, man. Um, YouTube is tough. And, YouTube um, is tough. It's really tough. We could we could do a six hour pod on that. Yeah, but um, we got to do a no- whole another one because I've been listening to you talk about top of funnel being youtube and it's boy it's tough it is yeah you guys yeah that would be a great one i'd I'd love to see you guys do a uh, video video oriented uh something on youtube at some point would be cool for screencasting.com and yeah uh kind of go back and forth there on that stuff so nice all right awesome guys guys. that was so much fun appreciate it yeah Yeah. thanks for coming this was great absolutely talk to you later all right bye